Wow, here we are again for another episode of True Crime, Fashion, and Passion. Today, it's all about my passion for fashion and my bestie in the whole world's passion for fashion. We have been stomping in these fashion grounds for many, many years. Today, my co-host is the incredible, the glamorous, the wild and sometimes mysterious, but usually pretty kooky, Pat Cleveland. And Peter and I, when we were like 18 years old, we were 19 years old, we went to Paris and we were watching Pat dance on tables at the club set with, I think, like Jerry Hall or somebody. Oh my gosh. Peter is my best friend from forever. Back in 1978, we met. He was going to Sarah Lawrence School. And his interview is going to be really interesting because he went to, he worked at Interview Magazine. He, you know, he did collecting art. You're just going to hear so much. You're going to learn so much more from him than you would from me any day. Let's just get right into this interview. Here she is, my most amazing co-host, the incredible Pat Cleveland, and my bestie, Peter Esterson. Hello, hello, Naeem Khan is here. I am so excited about our next guest, Jay, Jay Alexander. Alexander! New king yes. of New York Fashion That's Week, right. Raul Peñaranda. Stop it, you make me blush like a white woman. Uh, what was that inspiration again? So, inspiration was Norman Norell. Oh, I think what motivated me to keep going was paying the goddamn rent. How do you get to be the king of New York Fashion Week? Yeah. When you are the underdog and you don't care, I was trying to scream. I was trying to tell everybody, I'm here. Worked with a genius like him. You make things that are made by hand. It's craftsmanship at its best. That was kind of a routine that you knew how to do it, deal with the timing. Oscar one time said to me, focus on the product yes. and let the product speak for itself. Yeah. You know, the real Miss J on yeah. Instagram, you know where to find my black ass. I love you guys. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Wow. So here we are with one of my favorite guests in the whole world. I refer to him as my husband without sex. <laughs> we have been best friends since 1928. <laughs> and we met at Xenon's, <laughs> the disco. He was dancing on a speaker or dancing oh, near a speaker. God. And I had a friend of mine. <laughs> was not said, on the speaker. <laughs> oh, come on now, girl. You know. No. And we never call each other girl either. Well, sometimes. And my friend said, you could have any guy in this place you want. Name one you want. And I turned around and there he was. And I said, him. And he's been stuck with me ever since. <laughs> His name is Peter Esterson. And he's a photographer. He's just. He has a wonderful eye, a kind heart, and he listens to all my shit day after day <laughs> after day. He's been hearing my voice throughout his whole house for his whole life. Uh, Welcome. Welcome. We love you. We love what you do. You make the world beautiful. You make environments. You take pictures. You're up there with the Livingston family. You've got Rizzoli behind you. Stuff is going on. You even have some kind of writing on passports. And I don't know. We're going to get into that now. we got to start out really slow and see what's going on. We're going to say something Let's here. talk about your days at interview. I mean, you got started working with Andy Warhol at interview. Well, I was at Sarah Lawrence College, and I'd been collecting photography since I was 15. My mother was an ab abstract expressionist painter, video early videographer, and was teaching at Stanford at the time, and so I was always exposed to a lot of art. And they asked me to work at Interview Magazine when I was a freshman at Sarah Lawrence, because since I had been 15 and collecting Avedon and Penn and Louise Dal Wolf and Deborah Turberville and all these just great, to name a few <laughs> great photographers the gallerists would say oh my god you know I have a 15 year old who's buying your work and so I got to meet 
many of these wonderful photographers very young. And so I started to do interviews for the magazine and work with them. Well, I think it really helps. Peter's mom was just an artist and a creative genius. She was just ahead of her time, really. And, and, you know, I I, I refer to her as my adopted mother. I I think, how could she resist another son that said... (laughs) He would see women, I would see women in saris, and I'd say, I want to have a sari. I want to wear a sari like that. We were, we were at, my mom and dad lived in Paris for 18 years, and so we were at Volvicante, <laughs> and Philip saw this Indian woman, and he's like, you know, I wish, if I were a woman, I'd wear a sari, and I'd just like elbow him in the <laughs> not, side, not and I'm like, my parents. <laughs> don't give it away. Dial it down like one notch. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that's some childhood growing up with an abstract painting mom in the 50s. I mean, she was something that, you know, bohemian kind of artist, she, she was abstract. That was it. Betty well, they, Esterson, they, let's say her name. Say the name. Say you know, the name. The word bohemian has gotten so overused, but she really encapsulated that as, as somebody who was, you know, uh, grew up in New York. She had gone to, she had snuck into life drawing classes at the Student, uh, student Art, the Art, Art Students, Students League, League on 57th yeah. Street when she was... 13 to the like life drawing classes until my grandfather found out and like said (laughs) no you're not going to see naked men at 13 years old um but you know it set the tone for thinking outside of the box and being creative and and exposing me to really wonderful wonderful things which takes us right into the subject of creativity and inspiration and And your son who you have in turn elio esterson say his name yeah no i i think of myself as a as sort of a conduit of creativity between my mom and my son. Mm -hmm. So my mom passed away when Elia was two. Um, But we have all of our art materials up at the house up in Dutchess County. And Elia has been painting with them since he was a little kid. And I was telling Pat earlier, we, we shot the house for Architectural Digest. And there was a the editor-in-chief, Margaret Russell, ran a, a picture of Elio full-page painting, mm-hmm. and somebody uh, anonymous, you know, a, a, just a person that we didn't know, got in touch with my agent and wanted to buy his painting. <laughs> and I said, I don't know, like, you know, charge him $500. So he made $500 at, like, 14 years old. And I said, I just want to make crystal clear <laughs> that this is not going to always be the case, yeah, and things don't always way. come to but you. But it's in your DNA, you know. Why don't you have the right to have that? You know, having the mother who does that thing, and now you're... Yeah. Son. And yeah. you, especially you being in the middle, you're the jam. <laughs> I mean, come on. You make beautiful pictures. Well, and Peter had a great start. One of your first jobs as a photographer was for British Vogue. How did that go? I mean, that was that's pretty legendary to start at British well, Vogue. Well, it was the day. And there's a lesson that we learned from that, I think. <laughs> that was the day. There's a lesson. What okay, okay, okay. Peter? So I was 21 just still just finishing up uh, college, and I was going over to London all the time, and I had a collection of tear sheets that I just taken of friends that had modeled all over Paris. Oh, oh my god. My god, there's a picture <laughs> and you know where of where that is. This is in the Piscine de Lenny in oh, Paris. Oh, that's the piscine, the swimming pool. We yep. used to go there with Antonio. Yep. Oh my How god, you were discovered where you How gorgeous were you? That's gorgeous. Oh my, oh my god. god. So this was oh in god. the book when I I just oh. made an appointment in the days that you could make an appointment with John Hind, who was the photo editor at British Vogue, and I just walked in and I had a half an hour appointment. I thought, okay, well, well, that was fine. Two weeks later, my mom in New York gets a phone call from John Hind at Vogue, and she calls me back like two days later, and she says, oh, I got a, a prank phone call. Somebody from Vogue <laughs> wanted to book you. I was like, no, it really could have happened. Oh, wow. 
So anyway, that's where it started. That's and a gorgeous. So basically, he got hired by Vogue because, because of, of your beauty. beauty. Because, because of your beauty. See, we were that's the why same he's thing. here today. Everybody knows. We're all I mean, blessed. Synchronicity <laughs> here. All the beauties meet up and do beautiful things together, and all those. But things. those were the days where you could really, you know, I made that that year. I worked for Italian Vogue, German Vogue, and British Vogue. You could just make an appointment, go in with your book, meet somebody, and if there was a connection magic could happen. Well, and then remember, like, I was working for Pierre Louis in Italian Vogue with when Franca Sozzani was the editor-in-chief and Sasha Gambaccini, our, our good friend. And we and, modeled together. Yeah, we modeled together. Ah, so there you like, go. Do you have any friends that you could bring in? And I was like, oh my God, and Peter was there shooting something mm -hmm. and I, so we modeled and Pierre Louis together. The models stick together. <laughs> I know, I know. I, right. I broke his career into Beauty's fashion and he, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and it, it confirmed the fact that I wanted to be on the other side of the camera. <laughs> At 5'9", I was very clear that I wanted to be on the I other side. I think he's very good. And me at five eleven, <laughs> five nine and a half, um, was not going to listen to that and, and kept going. But you know, and, and all goes full circle because now one of your most exciting projects, and I, I take great, great pleasure and pride in these things is when it goes full circuit he's working with Hamish Vo Bowles yes, yes. who has now taken over World of Interiors, Interiors. so it's kind of back at Condé Nast in London back, at the, ha back at the Vogue house on Hanover at, Square that's yeah. right and, yeah. and this is so exciting because Hamish has now taken over and it's a whole new rebirth and you've done some extraordinary projects for them that are going to be coming out soon so books and keep inspiration it. and then books Peter has done so many books like I thought I was a fancy pants because I did a book I think I did a book first right did I do a book for you yeah. Books? Um, yeah. I had contributed Contributed to books, but yeah. the, the one that you did with your, yeah. you know, that you, yeah, that you shot the cover was, on. Yeah. Oh, we have to actually show and that the elements where we're of having style. dinner tonight. We shot and the the cover to yes. Phyllis' book wow, in my apartment on Gramercy. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. and the and right. the cover. And and so now you've done how many books? I've worked on sixty. <gasps> Who gets to do that? I haven't written all of That's them. That's more yeah. covers than you have. Oh my God! <laughs> no, yes. I don't believe oh, it. Oh, I know. I've been around since a long time, but that's amazing. Oh right. And what's the last one? Tell about. Um, the last book is called Life Along the Hudson, The Historic Country Estates of the Livingston Family. It's mm -hmm. going into its fifth printing the fifth with Rizzoli. Wow. And um, it's all about uh, telling the story in America of architecture, landscape design, interior, de uh, interior decoration, and politics through the eyes of one family, the Livingstons, who lived along the Hudson River in Dutchess and, and Columbia Elio, counties. And Elio, his son, loves to hear the stories about <laughs> the yes, Livingstons. My son is, oh, about enough already with the Livingstons. But his son is following <laughs> in his uncle's footsteps. He's doing what now? Um, Elio started with a couple of friends, uh, a blog and an in a couple of accounts called Old Jewish Men, OJM, <laughs> and they have like they get like two million followers on TikTok wow. and fifty five thousand Instagram people. He's and they in the did, business. They did a shirt with the New York Post um, for, that that hit on Christmas Day of you know Jews don't celebrate Christmas, so they oh, eat Chinese food in New York historically. So it was a shirt with a graphic of Chinese food yeah. containers from like the 1960s on the so shirt. So. I'm so proud of him. He's following after his uncle in the fashion <laughs> so business. So creative. Oh my god! And gosh. you have a new book coming about farming. Mm -hmm. um, new book that I'm working on on the history of agriculture in the Hudson River Valley and the new wave of, you know, sort of hipsters of young people in their $500 hand-woven indigo Japanese <laughs> over-dyed jeans uh, farming, farming. Um, and learning how hard it is. Primaculture. <laughs> yeah. But there's some great stories in there, too, and it's yeah. all very, you know, multicultural. It's not just the Brooklyn hipster. Which no, no, no. It's, no, I, I, I don't want to denigrate it, but there's amazing people that are moving back, really choosing to 
live outside of the city, raise their families in the country, and indulge them, you know, sort of immerse themselves in agriculture. And it's really creating beautiful, I mean, gigantic diversity. There's a farm called Soulfire Farm, which is up near Troy, which is, I think, 16 African-American women. Wow. There's a whole LGBTQ uh, consortium of farmers in Duchess and Columbia County. So th- it's, there's a lot of diversity where there hadn't been previously in the That on the sounds subject. like fun. Let's get up there. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to come to the house. Please let it. me invite you, you to the house. you got to dig it. you got to dig it. <laughs> His house is my house. Don't yeah. listen to him. Get that <laughs> shovel ready. <laughs> this is so great. Oh, my God. And you God. live in this beautiful house called Stats Hall, and you have little ducks. <laughs> ducks I got during COVID. Well, one of the things about the agriculture book is that I thought during COVID, the first year of COVID, just everything sort of emptied out, and I was sort of like shuffling, and what, what am I going to do? And I thought, um, agriculture, I can shoot it by myself. It's not a lot of collaboration. I can just be up in the country and do it. And then my son wanted uh, ducks, so we oh. got ducks during COVID. And then he's away at boarding school, and guess who's goes. taking care of the <laughs> ducks? <laughs> quack, quack. It's okay. That's a good thing to have is some life around you. Yeah. That beautiful. Well, we, yeah, we got – and they're under – it got so cold there was a frost that came so they have another pen under the kitchen and I had a friend who came over with his like I think four year old daughter and they walked into the kitchen not knowing that there were ducks under there and they heard all this quacking and she sort of like was was very interested about what was going on (laughs) now she's woke she knows there's something else to live for yeah Yeah, so this is wonderful what you did with all of your beautiful interiors and you know the time you spend with some of these artists like Andy Warhol I heard this story from you it's sort of kind of funny how you take a tablecloth and you draw on it can you tell us about some of those experiences where you did some drawing on a tablecloth or maybe Andy did something that was so naughty (laughs) Andy was naughty. Andy Andy was was naughty. Naughty, naughty, naughty. naughty. He did this a few times. I think he did this to our mutual friend Peter. But he, we were at the Palace in Paris. I know you have must have wonderful memories of the Palace downstairs in the Privilege. And we were drawing on the tablecloth, and I had my passport. He took my passport out, and he drew. what am I allowed to say here? Anything you want. He drew cock and balls That's in my right. passport. Yeah, there you go. That should get you through. So I, yes, power, well, power. not many people can say and that. And you're supposed to turn your passport in when you. I oh got. I shouldn't even be you saying it, it, but I can't. But you lost it. You lost. It's really a piece of history. You know. Well, I think. One of the first times we went to club set, Pat and them were dancing. Was weren't we together when that happened? We saw Pat, and I feel like maybe Jerry. Me and Donna. I, Donna maybe, Jordan. Donna Jordan. Probably. I remember hearing about that. I don't. I, the first time I went to the <laughs> set was before I knew you. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I was like seventeen, oh, and age. I was with a group from high school over in Paris, and I snuck away, and I'd heard about the set oh, on the Rue Saint Anne and Fabrice Mayer. Yeah. And I snuck in there, and I was like, "Holy shit! This is have, so happening. They this let is you so in, amazing. and you didn't have to knock on the door. Well, they that little hole. You, they must have loved you. But they didn't have. Uh, <laughs> nobody was carding anybody. Yeah, nobody that carded point, anybody you know, there. But, <laughs> but you know, anyway. Tell us about story. it a little bit. Do you remember the interior? Because I do. You, you would interior. walk in. It was the bar, and you'd yeah. go down the stairs yeah. into the tiny. The clubs in Paris were tiny and like almost suffocating. But the music was going, and it was just the best energy. And and really, you know, all three of us were there. Just yes. the best time in the Paris. Beveled, the most beveled glass uh, bar and everybody dressed in the tuxedos. The boys in tuxedos and the to way, go and, out. And Edwige, the, the girls huh? in tuxedos. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. But, you know, being in Paris uh-huh. and 
and going into first fashion photography, being inspired by the environments. I was always interested in, in interiors and architecture. So when we would be shooting fashion, I was never really in a studio. I wanted interesting environments, whether they were oh, yeah. by Le Corbusier or 18th century, oh. uh, you know. Oh, all the that gorgeous photo shoot we did with the hand paintings on the walls. Remember with all the Montana clothes? What was that oh, place we the, shot? Oh, the, the Musée Africain by Roulman. Oh, my the, God. In the, stunning, stunning, stunning place. In the 20th Oh, we have to put some of those pictures up. I mean, the sure. walls were just all these murals all like over the 30, wall. Like oh 30, 30-foot tall Art Deco murals That's that were just we want, amazing. That's where we want the tallest and murals we and can I think, get. <laughs> I think one of the things that was so interesting then was the fashion was raised up. It was above, again, it was symbolic. The runways were raised. I remember us sneaking into the tents at the Twilleries and seeing literally the raised runways and probably you were in the show from, from well, I, that came a little lot later you know when I started I was there with Cardin and we would go into his theater restaurant and walk the crazy show he was the only one who had it but everybody else held a number and it was very quiet well, you know that like in was tiny what was spaces. so genius when you went over for the battle <laughs> yeah. of Versailles yeah. you guys were not holding numbers no we yeah. did not I hold mean, numbers you know. we didn't hold we were living Paris just like yeah. you in the yeah. club set but by yeah. time it was the 80s you had like what I really remember was that time where like Three and four models would come down at a time with capes and hats, and you'd come at the same time, and everybody was well, twirling and walking. And you know, I, I took the last two years of college in Paris, and I had friends that were working at Mugler, Montana, yeah. Saint Laurent, and so I got—I was always back in the cabine, in the back room, and then sitting in front. And a mutual friend of ours, Jean Pascal, was yes. was working at Deuxième Bureau, who organized most of the prêt à porter. And Vivian Westwood was doing a show. Oh dear! And <laughs> a, one of the guys. My, my second modeling gig. But yeah. one of the guys didn't show up. So Jean Pascal was like, here, come here. Get in there. And I had been shooting for women's wear in DNR in New York. Ah. And I came oh, back Richard to New York Buckley. and a friend of mine who was working for Todd Oldham said, oh, I saw your picture on the cover of women's wear. And uh, I, w- yeah. I, w- I went down to 13th Street. I was like, you know, you guys got to tell me when it's coming. Up. And they're like, no, we didn't use your picture. I said, no, it's this state. And they pulled it out. And it was a picture of me. On the cover of Women's Wear Daily with Vivian Westwood. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you see, you took over. You cover took boy, over. Cover well, boy. It's that environment that gets uh, you out there, makes you do things. What do you think of fashion now? I mean, I know we have, I know we have a million conversations about it. Oh dear. Um, you know, we talk about, we okay. talk about it, and we're not going to say it all right here because we have other opinions sometimes. Okay, but it's okay. I there's think, not a lot of Cindy Crawfords anymore. Helena Christensen's. You know, we we have daily conversations about this, <laughs> Philip and I. For hours. <laughs> and all I can say is that there is nobody like... Oh, this. my God. Thank you so much. You have that picture <laughs> in that red beaded... I took this, so, Pat. Oh, my God. I want to just tell you something. I took this when I was just 18 years old oh, at Halston. When I was working at Interview, we'd get the invitations oh, right. to go see uh-huh. the shows. And yeah. I had my eye on you, and I was like, just turned 18, and I was Thank like, so holy much. shit, man. You talk Thank about you. inspiration. And oh, so I just you. want to let you know oh. that... Thank you so much. Seeing things and seeing energy and experiencing energy has a carry-through effect, yeah. and it connects the dots, and you never know where it's going to land. Here we are. Today. But here we are, <laughs> and, and you made a difference, and you made a difference about how I think about 
movement and modeling and beauty. So I just wanted to let you know. I that. appreciate She was that. in mahogany. Thank you so much. I never knew that. She was in <laughs> mahogany. We all know the mahogany story of me. But... <laughs> mahogany, I don't know what the story well, is. Well, that was my inspiration. Yeah, I, I went, to, I saw that movie. No, and don't somebody. play the yeah. music because this yeah, one will yeah. start crying. I so. cry. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> she was in mahogany in that fashion okay. show, that very last oh, fashion show. with the shows. kabuki, the yes. kabuki yes. that Diana Ross designed. Yes, she did. She made that. Wow. Yeah, it is so full circle like I, she just yeah. told me that the other day and yeah. I was like wow history, this is history history history, history and, yeah. and full circle yeah. what are you looking forward to in fashion where do you yes. want to see things going you're such a big social media maven now with Doja Cat following mm. you back to no you're the one who like sort of <laughs> bitch slapped me into submission to, no you so, no you no <laughs> Philip did because I, I had my book coming out and uh -huh. I've been adamantly against so social snobby. media and oh. my, my son and mm -hmm. my agent and Philip were like dude just like do it and just, just do, so uh. I've actually really really had fun with it Peter Esterson photo. I've really enjoyed. Yes. P i e t e r e s t e r s o h n. How do you express? How do you express yourself? What are you willing to share? What are you not willing to share? And as a creative exercise, it's it's really really interesting. But how do I think about fashion now? Is that the question? Yeah. Um, I'm disappointed, and I don't see a lot that really makes my antenna sort of swirl around. And you know, you I'm need all those murals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm all for sweatpants and <laughs> mm -hmm. stuff like that too. Right. But there's we're we're missing the other side and that the really special things. And you know, there's wonderful things that are beautiful, like from the row, and that are beautiful and understated. I'm missing the magic right now. Well, we had Naeem here today. Yes, Steven here. Yes. We've had a lot of magic in the room, but again, yeah. these we've are... seen, we've all the three of us have all seen the magic. We've lived through the magic. We've we've lived through the apotheosis of of fashion in in Paris, in Italy, in New York, and um, I'm looking. Well, we Open have these beautiful rooms and these books that you produce, yeah. <laughs> and the way you make things beautiful. Uh, we need to see that. People need to live in those environments to get inspired. I think we talked about aspiration. There's there's a little bit of aspiration missing mm -hmm. in this whole need for everyone to feel like they're included. And sometimes it's good to look above and say, I want to aspire to be that. Well, we're going there. I mean, we're talking about it. So maybe somebody will catch on, read the book and, and get the ideas, you know, from that. Well, I think, you know, for me, being in environments is can be inspiring. And, you know, I've been in 85 countries, I force myself to really look at things. And I am personally inspired in certain environments. And I, I, I just, I, I would just suggest to anybody listening to keep following what your passion is and indulge it and learn about it and jump in. And um, that's how the whole creative process gets triggered. And your favorite place that you uh, remember this special memory of that you were in this environment besides the club set? <laughs> <laughs> um, for an environment, let's say the Palazzo Te in Mantova which has beautiful mannerist frescoes of horses. There's a room. It's one of my favorite rooms on the planet. Um, it's called the Room of the Giants. And the floor is uneven. And it's painted like in trompe l'oeil. So it looks like these towers and columns are falling down. And there's like 50 giants. Um, and it's a very disorienting space. But really, as, a, as an in-situ art 
installation. It, it's it's very, very inspiring. I have one last thing I want to talk about really quickly. I know we just have like two minutes left. But Peter, I, I am rather unbalanced from day to day, <laughs> depending on what day it is. And Peter is is my rock. And, and he brought me to something called the Forum years ago. And and I just we talk so much about mental health these days, and I just talk a little about mental health and how do you guide someone like me? Like what? you know, you have a, you have a you have a son that is you know has his creative process. You have me on the other side that's you know all out there, and I'm airy fairy like that's okay. You know that's what we and love. you are like a rock. So how do you how you know with what you've learned? Like what would you say about how to keep mental health and especially in these times? You know, I mean, I know you're a little unbalanced day to day too. But oh my god, mental health. I'm gonna have you a nervous I mean? breakdown you know, thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> forum. I mean, you've done so much work um, and the okay, work you've so done here, with your mom. So, so okay. here's, you've got one minute. Here's okay. here's the thing. I mean, okay. do your homework. Mm -hmm. Find out what it is. If you believe in God, if it's something spiritual. I mean, I go in and out of Buddhism and meditation. You can't not do your homework. Yeah, do yourself. And do yourself and figure out um, there has to be a process in life of introspection and reevaluation and how you prioritize things. Exactly. Um, otherwise, we're just sort of floating through life. We have to have some sort of um, infrastructure or some structure to refer to when things get crazy because in creative fields, we've all been there. You've gone up Go to up the very past. top. You've mm -hmm. gone down. It's waves. It's never <laughs> like you're 18, you hit the top, and you maintain that till you're until you're 80 years old, you know? I mean, there's waves, and you better have your homework done on yourself and who you are so that you can maintain through the rocky times because they're all going to come. And good friends. Tools. Tools and, and friends. friends. Know how to use so that. I just want to yeah. say... Yeah. At the end of our first day, mm -hmm. thank you for being a friend. Don't cry. He's getting, <laughs> oh, my God. He's really, getting moist it's really over here. to have he's good friends. I, I, I don't know yeah. where I would be. Where thank would you, you be without I Paul? Don't know. I don't yeah. know. Everybody, find yourself a husband without sex or with yeah. sex. <laughs> find yourself a husband with or without sex. Thank you. And you've got to be you a good friend. You can find him with sex if you want. I mean, <laughs> Preferably, you know, but he won't put well. out. He won't put out anymore. But, it's a dream. You know, I, it takes a good friend to have a good friend, and I think I'm a good friend, and Absolutely. I think he's a great friend, yeah. and, and you got to have friends, and I think so many yeah. people are so isolated now. Yeah. you got to have friends, so thank you for thank being you. a friend. Wow. Wow. Love you, and I'm so glad thank to meet you, you too. We're so happy you're here. Thank you. Well, so now we're all best friends with my best friend. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that. And if you're really good and you're really nice, maybe he'll take your picture sometime. <laughs> I think it's so interesting to just have a chance to see beside the world of fashion, you know, how we love to immerse ourselves in architecture and art and, and how we're all just kind of products of our parents, I think, a lot of times, especially kids in the creative world. It's either we inherit this crazy gene that leads us in a direction or our parents are so supportive that they help us go down that this this wild and crazy journey of fashion and entertainment. Or our parents are just so useless, we spite them, and then we do really well and do great in the world of fashion. I think that was kind of what happened in my case. <laughs> Neither of my parents had good fashion my, I used to take my mother shopping for clothes. Like when we were little kid, like when I was a little kid, that would be like Wednesday night, an evening in the store with my mother picking out palazzo pants. And I was always looking for outfits that were transformational that she could take from the boardroom to the ballroom, except she didn't work in a boardroom and she wasn't going to many ballrooms. But I always looked ahead and thought things could get better. <laughs> anyway, I'm glad you enjoyed that episode. I hope you did anyway. Next week, stay tuned because we have a really, really scandalous and incredible, sad and tragic story. 
Joey Comunale. And the jeweler that sold Donald Trump Melania's engagement ring, what do they have in common? Hmm. Joey Comunale, a guy from just around the block, neighborhood guy, and this fancy pants jeweler from of the stars, friend of Donald Trump, so we already know there's something bad going to happen. Tune in next week for True Crime Fashion and Passion when we have our next True Crime segment. <laughs> 